So this week we're in Parashat Lech Lecha. And as we saw at the beginning, but because we didn't have someone reading the Hebrew, you didn't hear these words. They said, it said, Bayomer Adonai El Avram Lech Lecha. Adonai said to Abram, according to the TLV, get going. My first question, and I know you don't have the answer to this question, why Avram? Why Abram? We don't really know why God chose Abram. Incidentally, we know and we've heard that Avram's name was Avram in the, during this parsha, but the rest of this sermon I will be referring to him as Abraham. So don't correct me that he wasn't named Abraham yet. I know that. But in Hebrew, Lech Lecha is a command that God gave to Abraham. Now, there's several translations. You can look at many translations of the Bible, and you will find that some say just simply, go. Some say, like the TLV we just read, get going. But the many varied ways that it could be used... And the most obvious is literally, go. Again, it's a command. Or leave. Get out of here. And even go forth. The last one seems to be a little more accurate. Because it just it doesn't just say go. There's more to it than that. Go forth, again, is a command that's given by one person in this case, God, to another person, in this case, Avram. So we can actually come to the conclusion from this combination that Abraham is being sent out on some type of mission for God. So my first question was, why Abraham? Why Avram? The next question is, what was his mission? So Abraham's supposed to go forth and do something for God. Consider your employer and you're called into the office and your employer tells you, go do something. Well, what are you going to do? You may know the company well enough and know your employer well enough that you figure out what he needs you to do, but he's not being specific about what you're going to do, where you're going to go to do it. Or how to do it. This command actually, if you notice, is two words. Not one. It seems to be redundant when you read the text. Lech lecha. Well, the redundancy indicates to us that it makes it a command that's a bit self-reflexive. It's something that Abraham is supposed to do. Not just to go, but to go forward somewhere, doing something. Most all Jewish translations say, go for yourself, which the construction of the word is what it says. The lecha is you, yourself, or you go. So in other words, get out of here for you and go out for your own good 
or even get out of here to avoid any harm. At this point, Abraham had no reason to believe that he would suffer any harm in the land he was in. But there was this kind of a tension that developed because this was a spoken command from God directly to Abraham again. Why Abraham? Who cares? But it's almost like someone was screaming at Abraham to get out of some dangerous situation that he needed to get out right now because of some potential danger, a danger that could be extremely serious, even as serious as his death. But it can also mean go out and find your destiny. I kind of like that. So leave the place that is familiar, comfortable, that you're used to, where you call your home and take your family with you and find out, seek out, and try to discover what the purpose God has for you and why he chose you. Looking at the rest of the passage, it seems that what God is trying to say to Abraham that, that is just that. Go out and seek my will. Up to this point, Abraham had never heard God speaking. Abraham didn't have any clue that God was going to call on him to do anything. But you know what? Going out to seek your own destiny, I think that applies to all of us. God is telling Abraham to just respond to this command and go forth. And then, when you do that, you will discover your destiny. See, sometimes it just takes that first step. God tells him that he will become what, who he'll become through a series of prophetic promises. And if you read the parasha, you know those promises. I can probably ask you right now to tell me what those promises are. And everybody will have the answers, won't you? But one of the greatest promises that God makes to Abraham is in Genesis chapter 12, beginning at verse 2. My heart's desire is to make you into a great nation, to bless you, to make your name great so that you may be a blessing. My desire is to bless those who bless you, but whoever curses you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. It's a little bit different than what we talked about last week when I, I the few moments I spent on the Tower of Babel. The people said that we're going to build this tower to make for ourselves a great name. They didn't give any credit to God. They didn't even acknowledge him in their desire to make a great name for themselves. But here God tells Abraham, I'm going to give you, make your name great. But see, now it's coming from the mouth of God, not from the people trying to do their own thing. Keep in mind that the scripture tells us too that Abraham was already 75 years old. Now, granted, 75 years of age then is not like 75 years of age today. But that's still 75 years of life that he's already lived. So the question becomes, why didn't God choose a younger man to send out to become this great nation? 
Because he's God. It's the only answer I could come up with in all of my study. He didn't go around saying, well, maybe I should do this. Maybe I should talk to this. Maybe I should. Nope. Abraham. That's the guy for me. So why would God make such a great promise to Abraham? After all, this is the first time we actually read about God speaking to Abraham, as I just said. And it was during a time where there was a lot of paganism in the land they were in. There was no worship of the one true and living God. Abraham actually had no reason to even recognize God or recognize who he was. But this was almost like a man pursuing a relationship with a particular woman that he's approaching for the very first time. He doesn't show up with just a beautiful bouquet of flowers and some gifts. He doesn't just walk in and think that that's going to be enough. His charm is going to get her. But he goes over the top. Men, you know what I'm talking about. You go that extra yard, that extra mile, and you promise her the moon. And that's all an attempt to impress her and woo her. So we find later in this parsha that God becomes more specific as he goes along about what he wants Abraham to do in order to for him to fulfill the end of this relationship. And in the end of the relationship, there's one thing that's included. Men are going to cringe at this, but... The, the show, the covenant that he created was what? Circumcision. Okay. Enough said. But right now, God has only one command, one request. Lech lecha. Go forth, putting one foot in front of the other and going where I tell you to go and moving ahead. And that's to not just show that you believe in me, but that you actually believe me. Moving on to verses 4 and 5 of Genesis 12, we read, So Abram went, just as Adonai had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. Abram took Sarai his wife and Lot his nephew and all their possessions that they had acquired and the people they had acquired in Haran. And they left to go to the land of Canaan. And they entered the land of Canaan. By the way, next week we're going to be looking at Parshat Vayera. And we'll find this same word combination when God tells Abraham in Genesis 22, verse 2, Take your son, your only son whom you love, Yitzhak, Isaac, Velech lecha el Eretz, Hamar Moreh. Go to the land of Moreh. And offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will tell you. Incidentally, we see the same reaction by Abraham in verse 3 of Genesis 22, when he got up early in the morning and went. No questions. No argument. Why Isaac? Why not Ishmael? No, he didn't question it. He did what God asked him to do. 
So God is calling Abraham to go out. But just like with us today, God's calling means absolutely nothing without a response. Last week we saw at the end of Parashat Noah, and we read that Terah took Abram his son and Lot, Haran's son, his grandson, and Sarai, his daughter-in-law, his son, Abram's wife, and he took them out of Ur of the Chaldeans to go to the land of Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. So, Terah, or Terah, Abram's own father, we saw he was headed for the promised land. He was headed for Canaan. But he never made it. He never got to his destination. Because it seems like when he arrived in Haran, he said, he looked around himself, he said, wow, this place seems nice. I think we can settle here. And instead of continuing on to Canaan, that's where he stopped. He never completed his journey. Now it's up to Abraham to do what his father either didn't or just couldn't or wouldn't. We don't know why he didn't continue. But now Abraham needs to take his family and move on and go to that final destination, which his father never reached. Now, one thing that's important to understand, and we can't, we can never overemphasize it, is just how important it was for Abraham to answer God's call and go forth. It was because this one man, Abraham, responded to the call of a God he never knew and traveled towards a land that he had never seen that all the peoples of the world, Jews, Christians, Arabs, you name it, can all claim Abraham as their very first patriarch, which is a fulfillment of what we read in Genesis 12, 3, that said, in all the families of the earth will be blessed. In you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. There are lots of instances of lech lechaz. I know that's not proper Hebrew. Even if those words aren't used, like Moses being pushed out onto the Nile to save his life, something he did not choose to do as a newborn baby. He couldn't choose it. It's important to understand that sometimes even we may not want to choose to go forth. And sometimes we even get kicked out against our will, much like Moses. But much like Moses, we need to understand that those kinds of kicks, as terrible as they may seem and as frightening as it may seem, could be God giving us a nudge in the right direction, telling us that this is where I want you to go. Later in his life, Moses had to make a decision to respond to the call of God at the burning bush. Again, there are many examples throughout Scripture of this concept. Joseph, David, John the Immerser, even Yeshua himself. There were many going forth. 
by Yeshua. First was the immersion by John. Then he decided in the Garden of Gethsemane what he was going to do. And, of course, his ultimate death and resurrection. The lesson we can take from all of these going forths of various people, these lech lechas, if you will, is that no call is complete unless you respond. That's the only way that any of us can fulfill our destiny. We must experience our own lech lecha or going forth moment. We can't stay in one place when God says go forth. You, yourself, move out. Think about the gospel account recorded in John chapter 3 verse 1. Now there was a man, a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jewish people. John tells us that Nicodemus came to Yeshua at night. We can likely assume it might have been because he didn't want his fellow Pharisees to see him meeting with Yeshua. But Nicodemus is curious. It seems that he feels drawn to Yeshua. What a, is that a bad thing? To be feel drawn to Yeshua? But it was mainly because of the signs and the miracles that Yeshua had performed. Right? Roused his curiosity. And we could look at this encounter allegorically and, and look at the meaning of night as an indication that Nicodemus was in spiritual darkness. And that he had been drawn to Yeshua's light as the light of the world, as most of us here have been. So he has this going forth moment under the cover of night in order to find Yeshua. But in that same chapter from the Gospel according to John is one of the most well-known passages in the Gospels. Anyone who has ever seen a football game on television has undoubtedly seen one of the most quoted verses in the Bible. And I'm surprised that they still turn the cameras that way. And see John 3.16. And it's undoubtedly one of the most quoted verses in the entire gospel. And you know it. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. It is also, of course, a beautiful and even an inspiring summary of the purpose of the gospels. We need to consider the conversation that led up to that moment. This interesting exchange going back and forth between Nicodemus and Yeshua about how many times any person can be born. Think about this. Our biological birth can be looked at as one of those unwanted go-forth moments. Because we had absolutely nothing to do with it from beginning to end. None of us made a choice to do it. And in a sense, we were all forced out of the womb. So when Yeshua tells Nicodemus in John chapter 3, verse 3, Amen, amen, I tell you, unless one is born from above, he cannot see the kingdom of God. 
He tells them that he must be born from above, or as many translations say, born again. In doing that, he's telling Nicodemus that even though he didn't choose to be born before, he must now make a choice to go forth. Be born again by responding to the call of God. And the way Yeshua describes this call is in John chapter 3, verse 8, when he says, The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. That would be something like what Abraham might have been experiencing when he first got called by God. When Nicodemus questioned what Yeshua was saying to him, Yeshua then challenges Nicodemus as a teacher of Israel that he doesn't get it that he must go forth in faith. Just like God met with Abraham in our Torah portion, for the very first time, Yeshua was meeting with Nicodemus for the very first time. And similarly, he makes an incredible promise that if he would just go forth, he would receive the promise of eternal life. That promise must have had an impact and convinced Nicodemus because after Yeshua's crucifixion, who's there? Nicodemus. And he publicly appears to embalm the body of Yeshua. He's not sneaking around at night anymore. He's in broad daylight, right out in the open, where the other Pharisees can actually see him participating in the embalming of Yeshua. So in the end, it would appear that Nicodemus obviously made a choice to go forth and be born again from above in response to the call of Yeshua. We all have a calling on our lives by God. Many of you know my personal lech lecha, my going forth moment, which happened while driving down the Long Beach Freeway at night. The night that Batya led me in a prayer of acceptance and repentance back in 1981. I'm not going to ask you to remember that. Which I then ratified about a week and a half later by being immersed in the name of Yeshua. I, like many of you, have had many lechlechas, many going forth since then. Like my being called, licensed, ordained, and ultimately taking on the position of congregational leader here at Adat Hallel. But the way it works is you have to say yes. Because unlike childbirth where you're forced out of the womb, God's not going to force you to do anything that you don't accept upon yourself. He's not going to force you to do anything that you don't like, don't want. He'll leave you alone if you want to be left alone. And after you say yes to the call, you have to follow through on that call of God. Or you could become like Abraham's father, Terah, who stopped short of fulfilling his destiny. Terah could have very well been the Abraham. But he didn't keep going. He stopped. Are we going to keep going or are we going to stop? We need to learn how to shut out 
all the outside influences, all the other voices, all the various noises in our lives, and really begin to listen. Is God calling you? Is God calling me? Is God calling us? Is Yeshua standing outside the door of our hearts, knocking on a locked door? And could he be there knocking on that door, bringing with him incredible and wonderful promises? You won't know if you don't open that door. We need to learn to listen for that still, small voice. The whisper of the Ruach. The whisper of the Holy Spirit. Is Yeshua calling and drawing us to seek after him and his kingdom? Is there a new call blowing us into a new and different direction? We don't know unless we answer the call. But the time is now for us to pay close, determined attention to the call of God's voice. That's the only way we're going to experience God's love and forgiveness to its fullest. And no, know that no matter what we may have done in the past, God loves us anyway. So much so that he gave his son to die for our sins so that we could have eternal life with him. All we need to do is accept the sacrificial death of Yeshua and his burial and resurrection and believe him and put one foot in front of the other and lech lecha, go forth. God is always calling out to us. So how do we respond? How will we respond? How should we respond? I would, I would suggest that our response should be to lech lecha, to go forth for our own good, for the good of God's kingdom, and for this world that he's entrusted us to and with. There's so much more to do for the kingdom here on the earth. But it won't get done without people accepting the call and going forth. And doing what God has called us to do. I'm going to challenge you on one thing. Someone brought this up to me earlier. I want, especially those that are apt in studying the Hebrew language. But when you get a chance to go back, look at Genesis chapter 14 and uh, verse 20. In that passage, in this week's parasha, Abraham encounters the king, Melchizedek. I do not have the final answer here. That's why I'm challenging everyone that can study the Hebrew. Looking at the Hebrew, because you look at the translations, it says there at the end of verse 20 that Abraham gave Melchizedek tithes. 
But read it in the Hebrew and look, pay close attention on to whom the subject is referring. Did Abraham give Melchizedek tithes or did Melchizedek give Abraham tithes? I challenge you to study that. Come to some conclusions. Come back and let me know what you discover. Because as a, as a, as a little teaser here on that, you'll notice that the pronoun does not change. It's referring to Melchizedek and what he did all the way through that, those verses. That's my challenge for you. Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needs not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Because you might tell me that, oh, Hebrews says this. Yeah, but it's based on the translations that we read about Abraham and Melchizedek. So, there's your challenge. There's your study for this week. I'll be interested to see your responses and your the outcomes of your study. Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, we thank you and we bless you because you are the mighty God. You are the one true and living God. Much like you called Abraham, you've called each and every one of us to do your will, to advance your kingdom in this world. Why you picked Abraham, we have no idea. But we can know why you picked us because all we have to do is ask you. All we have to do is see the things that you do once we make the choice to go forth. To lech lecha. To follow your call, your leading, and experience the blessings that you will bestow upon us as we do that. As we gain momentum in going forth, doing your will, I pray that the blessings will be so overwhelming, we can't help but continue. We can't help to find out what the next step is. What you have for me today, and then what you have for me tomorrow, and then what you have for me next week, next year. But it is one step at a time, Lord. Help us to keep focused on you as we take those steps. That we will not stumble, that we will not turn aside from what you are asking us to do. Thank you, Yeshua, for showing us the ultimate in sacrifice, the ultimate in following God's call. In Yeshua's name, amen.